Hello everyone, I'm Tori. And I'm Kariana. And welcome to God in All Things, where we discuss gospel principles, principles of Christ that we can learn from literature and film. And today we're going to be starting our journey through Marvel, the Marvel franchise. We are starting off, of course, with Iron Man. We decided to combine Iron Man 1 and 2 because they have very similar character arcs within the two of them. So we will be focusing on both of them, and let's start with a summary, of course, before we get into it, in case you haven't seen Iron Man in a while, or you don't much know much about him. Um, Tony Stark is a wealthy and arrogant man who has inherited his father's weapons production empire. He lives his life enjoying all of the pleasures he wants with seemingly few consequences. However, when his truck is attacked while in the Middle East for a demonstration, Tony is forced to face the realities of what his company is doing, really doing, a lesson that leads him to create the invention of his life, and the world will never be the same. Just to add the extra drama. <laughs> um, let's start, of course, with personal experiences. So I actually think the first Marvel movie I really saw, I'm pretty sure, was avengers it might have been captain america as far as i mean besides spider-man but like as far as like the marvel franchise that started up okay you mean like like the older spider-man yeah the older spider-man ones yeah yeah i did see avengers in theaters so i did like start my Mm -hmm. journey that early on but i did not watch these and then Mm -hmm. honestly i didn't watch iron man until a lot later i still for some reason i just was not (laughs) interested and I was like, well, it's fine. I've been introduced to him in Avengers. I almost want to say I saw Iron Man 3 before I saw the first <laughs> Iron Man. I know. It's not why. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, I just, for some reason, had no interest in Tony Stark. <laughs> so oh. I was like, I'll just follow him. It's fine. But I liked, I mean, I was a Steve Rogers girly. So I was right. like, I remember, I think, when did it come out? 2012. So I'm like this little seventh grader, sixth grader. <laughs> And um, I remember Avengers coming out and seeing it with my friend, and we were, like, dead in love with Captain America. <laughs> we were both like, oh, my gosh. Like, it was it was wild. Uh-huh. Um, and so um, I think I even saw Avengers a couple times. But anyway, yes, I was a Captain America girly. If I'm being honest, I probably still am more in that range mm-hmm. than an Iron Man. But I do have a lot of respect for Iron Man, and I will say he's grown a- on me a lot as I've gotten older. I think as I gain more experience in life and just, like, just my brain develops more and stuff, like, I just have developed much more of a respect. Plus, as his character arc came to a close in the last Avengers movie, like, we're able to see that whole arc, and I have a lot of respect for that. I also think his relationship with Pepper is my fav- one of my favorite romantic relationships in okay. the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay. There's a lot of others that I feel like are just kind of rushed and very love at first sighty, but I like that theirs is much more developed. So that's all I'll say about it for now. We'll get more into thoughts, I'm sure, <laughs> okay. as we continue on. But that is my experience with Iron Man was I was a late comer to the party, but I do really like Iron Man now at mm-hmm. this point. Well, we are flipped. <laughs> I uh, I distinctly remember Iron Man coming out in 2008, and little 10-year-old me thought that Robert Downey Jr. was the most attractive man alive. <laughs> wow, okay. I was, oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> and I decided that Iron Man was amazing. It was actually really complicated for me, because Batman was my lifelong superhero, <laughs> and I didn't know what to do. <laughs> With this newfound love. And I realized that it was okay because they were both just the, like, rich, smart guys. (laughs) I just loved the same superhero twice over. (laughs) And so it was fine. Oh, I love that so much. But, uh, yeah, no, I was, like, Team Iron Man all the way the whole time. I thought Captain America was so annoying and I did not know why everybody loved him so much. And I was like, no, RDJ, man. (laughs) So, so yeah, no, I was always, always just so, so in love with him. And, um, yeah, got me into the MCU right off the bat. I love that. Yeah. That was great. Also, here's, I guess I'll introduce my hot take right away. (laughs) 
Okay. I can't stand Pepper Potts. Really? I can't stand her. Okay. It like worked the opposite. Little 10 year old from the time I was 10 years old. I have hated Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> like I can't watch her in anything in else because Gwyneth I'm like, Paltrow you're train. terrible. Absolutely oh, no. not. Why? <laughs> I was so mad. Oh my goodness. Okay. We can't get into it too much because some of my thoughts like <laughs> relate to our topic. Okay. But um, mostly I just think that she just is always trying to change him and it just makes me so mad like anytime which as I've gotten older I recognize more that he had faults that needed to be changed Mm -hmm. (laughs) but even even watching these especially in the second one I still felt a lot of the same things like Mm -hmm. there were still moments where I was like are you kidding me right now (laughs) so yeah I never approved of their relationship always made me so angry But also I had a habit as a little girl to uh, dislike the love interests of the male characters that I really liked. So there was definitely some bias that I was like, she doesn't deserve him. I do. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yep. Great. (laughs) I was, I'm like, I'm so tempted to just go into this whole defensive mode about Pepper. Okay. We'll just get into this topic and maybe it will continue to come up throughout this. I'm sure it will. Um, and I can bring it into it because I think that she's great. But I also, I see where you're coming from, but I also think it ends up working out because I think they both wanted to. But right. anyway. Okay. Um, right. Okay. Let's get into our gospel principle, which is going to be humility. So I'll let Kariana take that, the introduction of that. Yes. Very, very relevant. I don't think anybody who knows Tony Stark will be surprised yes. that we decided to discuss humility. But it's a really interesting gospel principle because it's, I mean, the Savior is a perfect example of everything. But like humility is, to me, I think just one of his defining attributes. Yeah. Like the reason he was able to accomplish everything was through his humility. And it kind of teaches us that it's the same for us. Like if we are humble, then everything else follows after. And in the guide to the scriptures, it defines humility or being humble as to make meek and teachable or the condition of being meek and teachable. Humility includes recognizing our dependence upon God and desiring to submit to his will. Great. Thank you for sharing that to get us started. It's very good introduction into this because, like she said, it's kind of an obvious choice for Iron Man. So we're going to start with, of course, the first film. Um, And in the very beginning, our first scene, opening scene with him, he's in this truck with these military figures, people, figures, people, (laughs) um, who are like all fawning over him. They want to get his autograph. They're all just amazed that he's there with them. And I think we see very quickly that he's not a very humble person because not once does he ask about any of them, not really. He kind of makes sarcastic or, like, teasing comments about aspects of who they are based on what he's observing, but he doesn't actually do anything to get to know them or to even know their names before we have this truck get hit by a missile. And it goes off and most of the people in the truck all die. I'm pretty sure all of them do end up dying ultimately. And then Tony runs away. He ends up getting shot. And that's kind of where it stops. And then it goes back to like, what, 24 hours earlier or something Mm -hmm. like that to the day before. And it just has him basically being a playboy and he likes his pleasures and he takes all that he can get he's he doesn't show up for an award ceremony that they're giving in his honor um from the military like he's so self-absorbed that he doesn't even show up for something like that to just show respect to people who are respecting him so we learn very quickly that he's not a very good person. Oh, he has the interaction with the reporter who's mm-hmm. trying to point out these consequences of his actions, his company's actions, and he ends up just trying to get her into bed and succeeds. He's all about doing what he wants to do and doesn't really care about any consequences that may occur because of it. One of the really interesting moments 
in the truck at the beginning is when like the woman driving speaks and he says oh my you're a woman <laughs> like yeah. he doesn't mm-hmm. he knows yeah. absolute like he got in a vehicle with these people mm-hmm. and but there was just absolutely no recognition no nothing and then yeah the reporter woman that we that we see in the morning you know it's very like disinterested very like you know he's not there he doesn't care and we see that again and again throughout the movie this one woman walks up to him and says tony do you remember me and he goes nope and then like continues walking (laughs) yeah that kind of yeah and that that sticks around for his character for a while okay ready for my first dig at pepper (laughs) i'm ready (laughs) so what I think is interesting, I don't, th- I had never noticed this on my own, but I was watching it with my sister and she pointed this out to me, um, which is probably, it's like, just like a dumb, the joke going over my head moment. But uh, mm-hmm. when <clears throat> the reporter is like wandering in the house in the morning, Pepper approaches her and like has her dry cleaned clothes and blah, blah, blah. And um, the reporter is like, wow, after all these years, he still has you picking up the dry cleaning, mm-hmm. right? And Pepper says... I do anything and everything that Mr. Stark requires, including occasionally taking out the trash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I had like never, never like seen the underlying tones in that <laughs> comment. Like I just kind of yes. took it as like at face value, which is really stupid. But, <laughs> but my sister just said something like, you know, oh, the shade, you know, and I was like, what? Oh my gosh. <laughs> She is throwing shade. And um, I think it's, I mean, it's the first time we meet Pepper, if Mm -hmm. I remember correctly. And so it's, but even in this very first interaction, we see kind of how Pepper sees herself. You know, Mm -hmm. she's picking up the dry cleaning. She like respects the station that she has and the role that she plays. But she also looks down on the people around her. Mm -hmm. And she like, she sees herself as... I don't know if it's mentally or morally or whatever, but in some way superior to others, mm-hmm. right? In that first moment where she kind of like shades this reporter. Yes. For Although the reporter Tony. was shading her first by talking about the dry cleaning. That is true. So, that is true. Like yes. she's kind of pointing out like you've been here all these years and he just has you pick up the dry cleaning. But it, I mean, for which the is women more focused slept with towards Tony than Pepper, I would mm-hmm. argue. Like after... Mm-hmm. I, w- I would say that I it's like say, it's yeah. a cross with her being a reporter it feels more like an observation across the board like let's look at this relationship but you are right <laughs> yes. I was gonna say because I'm like for the reporter she's like Pepper's there to do what Tony told her to do to kick her right. out and the reporter feels embarrassed for and sure. so she's taking a dig at Pepper being like well He's having you pick up the dry cleaning for the ladies he slept with, but he's not sleeping with you, basically, <laughs> is what she's saying. Okay. So, to be fair, it was the second shot, okay? <laughs> Shots were already fired. Pepper was just okay. digging back. All right. <laughs> but for I me, it's just think, what it's indicative yes, of. <laughs> I do think that she does do that, but I also think <clears throat> that I'm Tony does too. <laughs> so, Tony does worse because he doesn't even pay attention to those people. He's right. like, I don't even care. Like, I just know I'm better. So I'm just not even going to care anything about you. Whereas at least Pepper is, like, concerned about what's happening. Because (laughs) it's her job, too. Yes. But she still is teaching Tony to do that. So that's clearly her attitude, who she is. I mean, tell me that you're not the person you are at work completely. Like, the values you discuss at work are not the values you hold. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay. you're going to be in a job that you for years that you love because it goes with your values. Right. So I think Pepper, it's going to be a similar thing. Like, she's keeping with her values of wanting to keep on top of things and yeah. caring about people and taking care of business, so to speak. <laughs> so then we go throughout the rest of this 24 or 36 or whatever hours it is, um, and we see that he he's late for demonstration, first of all, because he's just playing in his tool shed, basically, downstairs. And Pepper's like, yo, you gotta be on a plane. This plane's been waiting for you already for an hour. Let's go. Um, and so fi- <laughs> and he's being a jerk and being like, oh, I thought it was my plane. It will leave whenever I get there. 
Anyway, so they get on there. His friend Rhodey from the military is there too with him. And of course, they have this party together of drinking and girls and just further showing just his nature and what he's focused on um, to the point where he's even bringing his friends into it, almost coercing them into behaving certain ways that they otherwise wouldn't want to, which just shows like that pride and lack of humility can spread and cause damage to other people and what their values are as well. And so we see that. And then we get to Middle East. I think it's Afghanistan. Yes. Is that where they're Mm -hmm. at? Where he does a demonstration of this big missile that basically blows a lot of land up from a very far distance. And while he's talking, he talks about how his dad always said, a lot of people say the best kind of peace is when you're not shooting guns at all. But my dad said the best kind of gun is one you only need to shoot once. And... I think that's very telling of where his headspace is at right now because he's not thinking about what that actually means. Mm -hmm. He's just thinking, oh, yeah, like, we're going to prove we're the most powerful. Like, look, I'm such a great inventor and engineer and whatever. But he's not – he's so proud of it. And it's like when you really think about the gun that only needs to be shot once, it's gut-wrenching because you realize that means they're leveling – towns they're leveling multiple towns at once and that's not a good thing obviously it's really heartbreaking and so you can see in that moment it's all just an advertisement of how great he is that's what's most important to him and focusing on that demonstration rather than focusing on what he's actually talking about it is something that I hadn't, like, connected this until you were talking about it, but I did actually make a note of it while I was watching. He's, like, really, really, I guess, um, stiff and staged in his demonstration. Um, I kind of made a joke about it to my sister, right? Because he's Mm -hmm. so, like, playful and fun and chill and whatever. And then he gets up in front of everybody and starts talking, and he's like, my father always said. (laughs) (laughs) He's, like, very stiff. And to, you know, reference ahead, not to move ahead, but um, comparing that to, I guess, his announcement that the company is going to stop producing weapons, he's, like, got a cheeseburger in his hand, and he's, like, sitting in front of the podium, and he's like, everybody sit down. Everybody sit down. Like, we're going to be more comfortable that way. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's kind of an interesting comparison. I think he hasn't really ever given it a second thought, really, when he's presenting for the demonstration. I mean, like you're talking about, his focus is on the, you know, parties, on drinking, on women. Um, He doesn't really like has this company and he's, he's super intelligent. He's involved Mm -hmm. in the company, but like, there's just not like, he just, he hasn't ever thought about it. He's so self-centered that he's never even considered the fact that producing a weapon means somebody is dying Mm -hmm. because of it. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. then once that's finally brought to his attention, his whole added, like his, his attitude changes and he's actually, you can tell when he's, when he's thought and when he actually knows what he wants to say versus when he just has a script in front of him because this is the job and he has to do it and whatever. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that's kind of an interesting change there. Mm-hmm. It's true. I hadn't thought about that too, but that's, yeah, you can see it in his body language even a little bit. So then we get back to where we started in the truck and the bomb goes off and he ends up ge- being taken. Um, he is taken to a sort of makeshift prison by this group called the Ten Rings and they are they heal him after him having been shot by his own weapons and he's taken care of by this man who we assume is just one of their many enemies of this group who's also been taken captive but he's a doctor and so he's helping to heal him and then they want him to create the missile that he was demonstrating earlier on. He, they want him to create it for them. And so that's what they're having him do. But he's, of course, going to try to figure out a way around it. But like we, Kariana just mentioned, like he's forced into this situation where he's being shown what his weapons are actually doing. And he not only is he being shown what they're doing but he's also being shown that they're being used by all sorts of people not Mm -hmm. just who he thinks he's giving them to and this has been going on behind his back but like he doesn't pay enough attention to his company to really realize that 
this is a thing that happens. And so he's learning to be humbled, particularly by this man who he's being jailed with, who's also now helping him to create this missile, which, of course, they're creating something else. But I think the most, we talked about this before we started recording, but one of the central signs of change early on in the movie is this moment where they're working together. So they're already working together. They already both know that they're not actually making this missile. They're going to make something else that Tony's come up with to get them out of here. And Tony takes a second and says, what's your name? And he says his name is Yinsen. And it's a very brief, like, it's part of a montage but it goes to show that Tony's starting to look outside of himself. Like, he didn't have to know his name to do what they're trying to do. And he didn't need to know his name to know that this guy is helping him, because they're already in the middle of it. But he takes the time to be like, what's your name? And he gets to know a little bit about his family, which is not what he did with the military people in the truck at the beginning. He So we're seeing he's turning a corner at this moment. It's not huge, but it's something where he's looking outside of himself and he's realizing he's not the only person that matters in this situation. He's not the only one that could get hurt. And so it's it's honestly very touching. And I really liked rewatching it this time and really thinking about that. There are just so many potent moments in this whole thing. You know, him seeing the Stark Industries na- label on the missile that he gets hit with and... And yeah, meeting and talking to Yinsen and one of my, I wrote down uh, one of my favorite quotes between their interactions before he asks for his name. Um, Tony uh, impressively refuses to build the missile at, for the in front of the terrorist organization. Yeah. You know, the guy comes and talks to him and he's like, uh, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> he's like, I'm dead in this situation either way. I am not giving you people a missile, which is a very bold, impressive act. Yeah. I mean, not mm-hmm. everybody it would is. do that. And I love when he's like, what he may, I, I can't remember the, the exact quotes in front of what I wrote down, but he says something about how like this could be the last week of his life and he's kind of sitting there despondently like, what do I do? Yeah. And Jensen says, this is a very important week for you, isn't it? <laughs> and I just, I love that quote because I think it, I think there are so many aspects of Jensen that kind of push Tony towards thinking outside of himself and that taking responsibility, you know, like this, this is my last week. What am I going to do with it? You know, and Jensen really makes him think that through and, and kind mm-hmm. of make adjustments to his attitude. And then in regard to, Tony working on building. I think it's really interesting. Something that stood out to me was that he knows how to build the missile. And that's not something that you would actually expect this playboy face of a company to know how to do. Mm, yeah. And so even if he's super intelligent, you know, we can say, oh yeah, he's a genius. He built his first engine when he's four. That doesn't mean yes, <laughs> that now as an adult, he knows how to build this one specific mm-hmm. missile. Those two things don't connect. And so I thought it was really cool that he is even like, that's even an option for him. And then as we see him build the original Iron Man suit, he has all of these skills and all of this knowledge, like he's kept it up, which tells us that he's still heavily involved in the company in that way. And we see that later too, as he like works on plans and different things. But we even see him like blacksmithing, like he has a forge fire and he's hammering (laughs) and he's able to do all of these things and use all of these skills. And so I just saw that. I think he's humble in certain ways. There are certain ways that he really needs to grow and learn. But then there are other ways where he's down and dirty. Like he's he's in it. <laughs> and he really, he knows the inner workings of the mechanical side of his business. And I just really appreciated being able to see that side of him. That he's not entirely oblivious. He's just oblivious to the stuff that's not interesting to him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is still problematic. It's incredibly problematic. (laughs) But yeah, it's just that he has something there. Yes. Yeah, he's not too cool to be involved in that. He's Mm -hmm. not like, oh yeah, well, like I own the company now, so (laughs) you grunt workers (laughs) take care of that. Like he's still right there 
alongside them, mm-hmm. um, which I have more thoughts on, but they can they can come up later. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, that's great. So we see, and I think it is important to, we discussed this a little bit with Jane Eyre too, that there's always seeds in everybody yes. to see their development. Mm-hmm. Like there's always something already there, even if it's not easily apparent. That great but mustard if you think seed. about it, yes, you're like, there's that little bit of something that's coming naturally to them mm-hmm. that can be developed in the right direction to be even more profound and yes. really change them as a whole person. And that's what Christ um, does for all great. of us. Exactly. He knows what those things are and mm-hmm. he takes the good in us and, and just grows it all. Yes. That's why he says all it takes is a mustard seed Yeah, because he just needs that and then he's the master gardener yeah magnify (laughs) it and it will be beautiful and just what is needed yes so awesome so great i love that so then they end up of course getting out he builds his first iron man suit that is so (laughs) he did his best he did really amazing i mean i could never do that obviously (laughs) so like i can't say anything against it but it is definitely a first a first attempt in a cave with a box of scraps as he says (laughs) obadiah's awesome quote (laughs) tony did this in a cave (laughs) with a box of scraps (laughs) but you can tell (laughs) you can definitely tell um, but it is amazing. And so he's able to do this. They, But while they're putting it on and trying to get it to charge and everything, they know that the group has figured out that there's a problem. They're trying to get in. And we have Jensen say, I'm going to buy some time. And Tony <laughs> is like, no, wait, no, wait, of course, because you like are like, be careful. But I think it also is telling of Tony that he's so astounded that he would even do that. Hmm. He's like, no, just stay here and finish. Like... We'll probably be fine. You don't need to go risk your life. But he just doesn't grasp that idea of someone being willing to risk their life yeah. for someone else's. And so it's really surprising to him um, to the point where after they bust out, Jensen ends up getting shot. And while he's lying on the ground and Tony is holding him, he says, he says, thank you for saving my life, which is a huge thing for Tony to be willing to thank him for something. And then his response is, don't waste it. Don't waste your life. And that, I mean, to hear that from anybody on their deathbed saying that to you is going to... It's going to hit you. (laughs) For sure, especially in a situation like this. But I do think it's very telling to Tony that, like, he needs to be thinking bigger. Like, he already is kind of on that journey after all of this event but now he has someone who's direct, who he's learned a lot of this from who's directly telling him, like, I just gave up my life yeah. for yours. So make it count, basically, and make it worth it. And, of course, he does. He very, very much yes. does. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Do you need Can, I just... <laughs> Can I just talk about my favorite... My favorite thing about Jensen, and this is another thing that I had never thought of before until watching it this time around. Yeah. Thankfully, my sister didn't have to point this one out to me. But um, uh, I just, Jensen goes in to, like you said, buy Tony more time, but he he shoots, he runs at this this crowd of terrorists with a gun and shoots the walls and the ceiling and uh, okay I lied my sister actually did say something (laughs) I I pointed that out I was like oh my gosh he's just hitting the walls and the ceiling and my sister said he doesn't want to become a killer in his last moments and I was like (laughs) like he's it's so he knows who he is and he doesn't want to change that because of them and he's on his way out and he's Mm -hmm. like cool with that because the other amazing thing about his death he says he had told Tony about his family his wife and daughters i think before and he was like and i'm going to see them again when i leave here (laughs) it's so brutal because then later when he gets shot tony's like no you're gonna see your family again and he's like they killed my family i'm going to see them now and i just the fact that yinsen is just the pinnacle of faith is like incredible to me and yeah and I think it's so beautiful that he refused to let them you know that part of him that Mm -hmm. that the part of him that was still innocent that he he had the choice to take out as many of them as he could before he went down or to remain who he was Mm -hmm. and I love that he 
chose to still be a doctor, a healer, and not take a life. And then as you were talking, oh my gosh, I, I, I mean, we both obviously thought a lot about how Yinsen is kind of the base of this teaching Tony, right? You know, yeah. he kind of, he's Tony's first real instructor in this goodness and humility and thinking outside of yourself and giving your life for something else. And I love the connection that Yinsen gave his life for Tony and said, don't waste it. And then Tony ultimately gave his life for everyone else. He even took that lesson from him at yeah. this at this very beginning stage. And we don't see it for a long time, but oh, but Jensen. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Jensen's so good. Yes. And I think I also just realized, too, he could have at any time antagonized them enough to get them to shoot him. But yeah. he chose to stay with Tony That's and get true. Tony out. And I think there's something powerful in him being like, there's this man who is not going to be able to figure out what to do properly. And when he gets out of here, there's every chance he's not going to be better, but he's in a position where he could do so much good. And so instead of going immediately to his family, like he probably wanted to, yeah. he said, I'm going to wait to stuck around and help this person so I can do make my mark in some way for my family and yeah. then I'll let them kill me oh. which is just even better because yeah he talks uh. about he knows Tony already that is something we should bring up he he was at a conference that Tony was at and so they've Where met Tony before. treated him terribly yes Tony <laughs> did not treat him well at all and so the fact that he was still willing to stay behind to help save Tony yeah is like even more amazing I was actually just, um, oh, I was just listening to a podcast today where he talked about how the reason the second coming hasn't happened yet. And with the disclaimer that he, you know, there could be all sorts of reasons the second yes. coming hasn't happened yeah. yet. Um, but, you know, he was kind of talking about how Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, they want to give us, they want to give everybody as much time as they can. You know, he kind of talks about like, there's the justice side of like the second coming is going to happen and people aren't going to be ready. But mm -hmm. the mercy side of things is that they're putting it off, you know, the bridegroom tarrying, right? Where putting it off at, for as long as they can to give people the chance to change and come unto them. And I, I just felt that connection with Yinsen as you were talking about that. Yinsen, you know, as that kind of type of, as that kind of type of Christ allowing Tony, giving Tony as much time as he can mm -hmm. before he actually does the thing that he's looking forward to doing. You know, I, yeah. I guess I kind of imagine Christ looking forward to coming again yeah. <laughs> and being able to bring in the peace of the millennium. But, uh... But yeah, really cool. So then after that emotional moment, <laughs> Tony, of course, is saved. And that's honestly emotional, too, to see his friends just so happy to see him. And it's emotional, too, when the helicopter comes and he's picked up after wandering around the desert and stuff. Very special moment. And so he gets off. Pepper is relieved, which is just also cute. <laughs> she just works for cute. him, but she's like so happy he's alive. You can tell it's beyond just yes. just working for him. But we get off and he, his immediate his immediate need is a cheeseburger. <laughs> an American <laughs> cheeseburger. An American cheeseburger, <laughs> as it should be. Some food, please. Yes. And then he wants to have a press conference, which is so not like him. Pepper is, like, shook. She's like, what? Why? You avoid those like the plague. Yeah. She's like, why? Okay. And so they go. Oh, I think it is really nice. Before he gets into the press conference and he sees Obadiah, he says, good to see you, old friend. Which is so not like Tony at the beginning. Like, mm -hmm. he would just be like, hey, like, he wouldn't really care. Right. You know, but he, like, takes the time. It's a sincere, like, it's good to see you. Yeah. Um, Specifically you. And so, which is sad when he turns out it to be the bad guy. But um, in that moment, it shows a lot about Tony. Yes. And then he goes into the front press conference and there's some really great lines during the press conference Definitely. um one of them that he starts off saying is he saw a lot of things over there he says i saw that i had become part of a system that is comfortable with zero accountability which is very powerful because i think we all can be t pulled into that sort of a system or mm -hmm. into that sort of a culture where we're i think that's a big thing right now with social media is zero accountability yeah. like 
I can do and say whatever I want and not suffer the consequences for it. Um, but other people can't, just me. Right. <laughs> it's very much the attitude. And so I think that shows a level of humility because, again, he's looking outside of his personal bubble and recognizing that there are bigger problems that he has an impact on. Um, and he also then goes on to say, I came to realize that I have more to offer this world than just making things that blow up. Which spurs him into his final decision that he is no longer making weapons for his company is no longer going to make weapons, which is his main source of income as a company. So this is crazy. And he, everybody's really shocked because of this change. Yeah. Stock points plummeting. Like this is a Uh huge, this is a huge social, financial, everything decision Mm -hmm. for sure. Political, um, even because he's still into the military. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes, for Mm -hmm. sure. Definitely. No, this is, it's a really, really hard decision to be able to make. But honestly, it's kind of, this just popped into my head. It's kind of interesting that it's almost like his personality prepped him to be able to do something like that. Because if we talk about Tony, one thing that we have to give him for better or for worse is that he does not care what (laughs) other people think of him. Yes, yes. (laughs) He does not care. And it's that, like, it's almost like that part of his personality is being used with his position in this moment to be able to make a crazy decision like that. Because no CEO, like, who has the guts to do something like yeah. that, to upset the U.S. government, to upset yeah. all of the stockholders, to upset all of his personal friends. Rhodes is mad at him. Mm-hmm. Obadiah is mad at him. Even Pepper isn't like, she yes. kind of, she's like supportive, but she's kind of like, uh, are you crazy? Are you sh- yeah. like, what's wrong with you right now? Yeah. <laughs> like, so that's really, it's really interesting that like that side of him that has been problematic is now being used for good. So yeah, we definitely, we see some pride in the fact that he doesn't like consult anybody or warn anybody. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's definitely the main problem in this. And I think I would argue that through the rest of this movie and the second one, his main issue is learning how to be dependent on other people. And I think that's like our first major sign of that problem. Like he doesn't care what people think. Including the people who he should care yes. <laughs> what they think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he is even willing to like damage his relationship, relationships with people like Rhodes is really mad and like walks away from him. But he's kind of like, you know, this is, <laughs> this is what we're doing. This yeah. is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and he expects everybody to just kind of go along with it. He expects Obadiah to just clear it up with the board Mm -hmm. and just, you know, this, there's going to be no issues. Everybody's going to take care of it and trust me and it's going to be fine. So it's definitely problematic. But I did think in preparation for this, I read the really popular talk, Beware of Pride by Ezra Mm -hmm. Taft Benson. And I kind of, as I was reading it and thinking about his definition of pride, I kept thinking this isn't Tony. Like, he doesn't, this isn't problematic for him, you know? So what President Benson kind of describes pride as, he has two main definitions, and that's pitting our will against God's will and wanting more than the next person rather than wanting just enough for us, right? And I think this experience with him switching the company kind of shows that he's not pitting his will against God's will, you know? As soon as he finds out, like, what the right direction is for him to do, he just does it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he doesn't worry about anything else. The other aspect we see more later on, so I can bring that up later. But it kind of, you know, he talks about how, like, when we pit our will against God's will, we... It, okay, I'll just read his quote. He says, When pride has a hold on our hearts, we lose our independence of the world and deliver our freedoms to the bondage of men's judgment. The world shouts louder than the whisperings of the Holy Ghost. The reasoning of men overrides the revelations of God and the proud let go of the iron rod. And the fact is that Tony just doesn't struggle with that. Like he, Mm -hmm. as soon as he knows what the right direction is to go, he just, he does it and he's not worried about men's judgments. And another thing that I kind of connected this to was uh, the divine gift of forgiveness, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like, it seems strange, but I guess the way that 
Neil L. Anderson kind of describes forgiveness near the beginning of that book, I felt you could almost like replace humility with it. And I felt like they were very similar, very connected. So I guess the preface to that, I was thinking about how for Tony, it would have been really easy to go a different direction. I was like, what else could he have done in this situation? And what he could have done is get really, really mad and level this terrorist organization. He could have gotten so, he could have been bitter about his experience and said, I control weaponry (laughs) and just, and put all of his efforts into taking them out. And he probably could have made it happen with his, with his pull and his position. But instead he really does humble himself to make the choice to let go of his family industry, his dad's company Mm -hmm. for the sake of a more true peace. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, it made me, it made me to go back to the divine gift of forgiveness. It made me think of how, President Anderson, Elder Anderson, Elder, Elder, Elder Anderson, mm-hmm. yeah. um, describes the process of forgiving someone or accepting forgiveness. He says that sometimes it's like an alarm clock where it like, you know, starts beeping and wakes us up. And it's like this really sudden and overpowering event, right? Which is obviously more rare. Um, and then it can also be like a sunrise that comes up through the windows mm-hmm. and both events wake us up. But the sunrise is gradual and slow and happens over time. And so I think that this event with the terrorist is kind of like Tony's alarm. There's like mm-hmm. this alarm clock and his experiences with Yinsen, especially as we've talked about. It's this alarm clock where he realizes this is wrong. Something has to change. I have to change, mm-hmm. you know, and he brings himself down and changes his whole mindset which is a huge i mean that's such a humble a humbling process Mm -hmm. to realize that everything that you have believed and thought is wrong and you have to change and then i think he spends he's not done yet he has this alarm clock moment and then he kind of spends the rest of his journey having these sunrise moments you know with the sunrise kind of coming up and all of his experiences with his friends and iron man and everything changing him gradually over time to help until he completes his journey there's my tangent (laughs) along with i think he's definitely in this position where he has grown in humility as far as he's not just paying attention to his own desires anymore but and he's seeing a bigger picture a more worldwide picture but like you said i think he's not noticing the individuals the personal connections those personal Mm. relationships and so his humility is very grandiose which is very him (laughs) to make it a grandiose (laughs) thing first yes um but he has to learn to then make it a little more personal Mm -hmm. have a personal humility and you start to see that a little bit he ends up getting a new little reactor to save himself from the shards of bullet right going towards his heart and he has pepper come down and do it (laughs) she's she's like what why (laughs) why are you making me do this like i don't want to but she does it and part of what spurs her on is that he says i don't have anybody but you because she says can't you get someone else to do this and i love this moment because i think it shows a lot about pepper because i'm sure a lot of other people would have left him (laughs) there's no way most people would continue to work with him with how he is like that's so frustrating just in like you're kind of in charge of his schedule and you have to make sure he's going where he's supposed to go mm-hmm. you're then being asked to do a lot of really personal things around his house like it would be really stressful and frustrating and he it's not like he thanks you for it really right. like he may like say oh it's your birthday get yourself a gift for me <laughs> like he'll do something but like he's not gonna show that gratitude as much as other people would, at mm-hmm. least. And so I do think it shows a lot about Pepper that she's been willing to stay there. But I think it shows a lot about Tony in this moment that he's recognizing that kind of for the first time. That, like, he's like, you're really the only person I have. Because even Rhodes, like, is his friend. But it's kind of, like, a weird... Like, it seems like they met through the business and, like, they got along really well and they get along really well. But Rhodes has his own life. Like, he's a little more separate than basically Pepper is just by nature of their different positions. But I think that's a beginning of more personal relationships 
him starting to be a little more humble in those areas as well which is also a huge important turning point as well and it's also just sweet because then she makes his little proof that tony stark (laughs) has a heart um which is cute i love that he's like i'm not sentimental and she's like well i am (laughs) i'm gonna go make this for you he's sentimental enough to keep it (laughs) yes exactly exactly it's cute so then while all the chaos is going on with the crash of the company and everything and obadiah is dealing with it pepper's dealing with it and Tony um, starts working on his Iron Man suit. <laughs> He's like, he wants to create something that will create peace yes. in a more effective way, but something that only he can use because it's kind of a situation of his, like, I can only trust myself to mm-hmm. use this the way it's supposed to be. I don't want anybody else to have it because I've seen what happens when other people have my weapons. Yeah. And so he um, is trusting himself with this, which is a very interesting debate you could get into on whether that's actually smart or not. I I mean, it obviously depends on the per- person. I think Tony's great and does a lot of good, but... There's a lot of personal notion involved in a person. (laughs) So anyway, but that is a side tangent. I do like to, while he's making it, he um, mentions to Jarvis, the computer, he says, I don't want this to end up in the wrong hands. Maybe in mine it can do some some good. And so that's what we see is his goal is he's focused on this idea of doing good in the world and making a positive impact rather rather than a negative impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just some interesting there were a couple of things that stood out to me while he was building the suit a couple of small things first of all we we love dummy the machine (laughs) (laughs) and uh, my first thought when he started talking to dummy i just (laughs) i thought it was so funny that my favorite insult that he gives to him, he says, you are a tragedy. That <laughs> yeah. just made me laugh so much. And I'm not going to lie, there is, I am sentimental, and there was a part of me that was like, stop being so mean to him. <laughs> yes, even down from like his name being dummy, you know, which I'm sure is a funny acronym for something. But then, so I kind of made a note, I made a note that he like, insults his own creation and it's almost like i i was pondering like why would he keep something around he's so intelligent and he obviously he has access to such advanced technology Mm -hmm. why is he keeping this machine around right and i almost thought of it as like a reminder that he's not perfect Mm. it's like this machine that he thinks is terrible and he insults constantly but he made it Uh, (laughs) you know it's an extension of him ultimately and so i thought that was kind of interesting but then i loved what to you know again to reference forward a little bit (laughs) when obadiah takes the arc reactor out of his chest Mm -hmm. and he remembers that pepper had framed that previous Mm -hmm. one right so he goes down to his workshop and tries to get it but he can't reach it and then dummy is the one that hands it to him Mm -hmm. and I mean, honestly saves his life. Like, Dummy literally saves his life in this moment by getting Mm -hmm. that arc reactor to him. And uh, the note that I made was, even the humblest of machines can make a huge difference. He's just this little little guy who Tony is so mean to, but he's there. (laughs) And then he saves his life. And it's just, you know, he's just there being an arm, doing his job, like, helping where he can. (laughs) And sometimes I just feel dummy, you know? Sometimes you're like, I'm just messing everything up. And I'm just like using the fire extinguisher right. even though i shouldn't be <laughs> like i thought it was the right time apparently it wasn't and it wasn't you know like we all have those moments yes. mm-hmm. and i just love that dummy makes such a big difference <laughs> yes uh-huh. but then uh to kind of bag on tony's still lack of humil- humility i got so mad at him when he's doing his he has made the suit and he's doing his first test flight and his First thought is, what's the altitude record? Can mm-hmm. we... There, It's a certain altitude mm-hmm. record, like not non-winged machine. I, I don't remember yeah, what it is, but remember. he asks, what's the altitude record for whatever, you know, it is we're doing here? Yeah. And he tells him and he's like, okay, let's break it. Yeah. <laughs> and Jarvis mm-hmm. is like, 
that's not a good idea. We're not gonna, like, that's not gonna work. And he's like, we're gonna break it. (laughs) And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is your first test flight. Why in the world do you think that you can break the altitude record right now? And it's such this, like, I'm smarter than everybody else and I made this machine so it's gonna work and it's gonna be great. And he almost causes serious damage because Mm -hmm. of it. He comes crashing down to the earth and saves himself. But if he hadn't, like, it would not have just been him who was hurt. And so Mm -hmm. we kind of see that, like reversion back to not really thinking things through and maybe it is that individual level like you've been talking about you know it wouldn't kill the whole world and so who cares because but it would hurt up whoever's car he landed on (laughs) and so and that's a big deal or multiple people yeah meaning whoever was in the car yes (laughs) yes Yes. exactly Uh and then the last funny little thing to me he goes when he's getting ready to show it off at the fundraiser he's like make it hot rod red (laughs) and it's just this last little touch where it's like he just wants to show off to everybody and he can't help himself yeah so a couple little moments of we have dummy that's kind of a a redemption but Mm -hmm. he's still he's just not thinking everything through (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i was gonna actually bring up and it it comes in with that discussion of him falling out of the sky and possibly hurting someone or multiple people um, I think too, like he's in his mind, he's like, I've created this machine that will save people. Mm-hmm. So that's what he's focused on. And it's like the same thing when he decides to stop making weapons and just makes that decision. Like you said, he doesn't talk to anybody but about it, but how many people work here for his company and make their living off of this? Like yeah. this is going to affect so many people, not just rich people either. Like right. it's going to have a really negative, like, yeah, you saved all these people on the other side of the world who aren't going to be shot by your weapons, but then there's these people dying of starvation because they yeah. can't afford How many food or don't afford a place. Yeah. yeah, and so there's like these other details that he doesn't care about because he's thinking this way big picture. Right, and so it's still he's still not very clear sighted. He's still not really thinking about other people. Yes, he's very narrow minded despite the global scale he's looking at. Yeah. And just to clarify on that, like, obviously, it's hard to argue that it was the wrong decision to move, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, he made a good decision, but, like, a normal person maybe would have started scaling back Uh (laughs) and been like... Or started coming up with something else to do. Yes, let's do something, let's scale back these weapons and let's introduce something else and let's, like, make a a slow change so that everybody can, like, so that my company stays Mm -hmm. okay and, more importantly, the people working for the company are okay instead of literally just, like cutting everybody out like let's cut this giant department and what lay off a bunch of people we don't even know so yeah yeah Mm -hmm. agreed yeah just yeah just not thinking through all the details not taking the time to consider all of the people who could be affected and when you run a big company like he does you have to be willing to think about everybody and everybody's position you're affecting a lot of people mm -hmm, you are you are and so it's interesting though because it is an arc like he's still growing and learning and so Mm -hmm. we're seeing just a little bit but maybe not all the way yet um and i mean i would argue and i'm sure you would argue too that by the end of his whole arc he does i think accomplish humility to a t by the final movie he's in for sure yeah so yeah i'm thinking on the grandiose Mm -hmm. scale and on a very like personal scale yeah Yeah. i'm like not just him giving his life but also just his willingness to do everything he does in that Mm -hmm. movie in the final avengers movie we'll get to that more when we get to it i'm sure we'll bring up humility in future movies (laughs) because that's so key to his art yeah so key to his art so then after he's done this he ends up deciding to go to this fundraiser that he didn't actually get an invite to but it's technically (laughs) from him according to (laughs) what it's called and stuff it's based on from his company and Obadiah didn't invite him. They're trying to have him lay low, which he's been fine with because he's just been working on this machine. But then just, I'm like, no one expects him to go. And so he decides to just go, <laughs> which is another just Tony Stark moment of him just being such a little stinker. <laughs> like he like, he's like, um, you know, I just want to annoy people. 
<laughs> so I'm gonna go. Oh, it's so totally that moment where I'd be like, they don't want me there. Like, I guess I shouldn't. Like, yeah. I shouldn't. Like, I shouldn't bother them if they don't, if they don't want intrude. me. Like, <laughs> but yeah. he's just like, wait, I don't have an invite. I right. guess I have to. Yes. I guess here we go. Um, and then while at the dance, of course, it's fundraiser, dance, whatever. Um, he does dance with Pepper, which is cute. Just a little side note on the romance. And she's all shook because it's her boss, which fair enough. She's like, what am I doing? She's like, oh. Not appropriate, which good for her. Waiting to be ethical, Pepper, as ethical as you can be. And it's a very strange situation. That is Tony Stark. Okay, okay. wait. <laughs> No, I <laughs> have something else. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay, first of all, so we have the fact that Tony is like, do you want to dance? And she's like, no. And he's like, okay, good, let's dance. Yes. And like grabs her and pulls her to the mm-hmm. dance floor. They're, I like, I gotta, part of me is like, ah, Tony. And part of me is like, no, man, like you gotta learn to listen to people. <laughs> yes, no means no. Yes, so, so there is that, but... I'll admit, like, it is something I love about his personality. And I don't know if that side of his personality is ever going to change with humility. Yeah. I think there's always going to be a spoiled rich kid yeah. inside of him. <laughs> and I think there's just a part of him that's just never going to care what other people really exactly. think. Like, yes. he does start to care about the people he should care about, what they yes. think. But I think he's just like, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. And what I and it turns into what I feel is the right thing to do, yeah. which is the humility part. But, yes. Yeah. So I think, so I'll, I'll throw some, there's some seriously complex emotions going on in Pepper right now, yes. right? Uh-huh. Um, but I would like to point out one contrast between her and Tony mm-hmm. and that she desperately cares what other people think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she fair. mentions mm-hmm. to him multiple times. She's like, no, like this is everybody I work with and they see me dancing with you in this sexy dress and like they're going to think things and I don't want them to be thinking things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she has she has feelings for him. She does. And but she's unwilling to like she's having a hard time giving them any place and following her heart the way mm-hmm. that he does because of the way other people mm-hmm. see her. So I think that that's really interesting. But there's also the interesting fact, like she almost, she shows kind of a superior attitude to Tony. You know, she's very much like you take no responsibility, you do what you want. But like, obviously, in some cases, there is a proper order to things. You know, we don't Mm -hmm. always get to just do what we want. And she recognizes that. And I definitely feel this kind of like superior, like I need to tell you what to do. But I think there's also a level of, Tony isn't actually who he needs to be right now. And Mm -hmm. so she's withholding her feelings and not following her heart and where she wants to go. But I think that that's also right for her on some level because Tony still needs to grow and change to be the man that she should be willing to be with, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I will say for her too, I, I appreciate that the ways she wants him to change are ways he wants to change too. Yes. Like it's not like she's like forcing him to change in ways that he doesn't want to. Like he's still, and I think she embraces the fact that he's still him, but yeah, I think that he's not ready for her yet. And then I think as far as I feel like she, she definitely cares about what other people think, which I think is a lot of her pride. But I also think that she also has a sense of duty and responsibility. Absolutely. And like the appropriateness is yeah. a concern too, which Tony doesn't have, which <laughs> is a problem, <laughs> which is part of his lack of humility is his yes. lack of res- responsibility and sense of duty to multiple things, yeah. not just his heart and not just what he feels is right, mm-hmm. but to his impact on other people. Which plays into a lot of the things we've already talked about. For sure. So, they're a very interesting duo. That yeah. That is for sure. It's really complex and interesting. And I mm-hmm. wish we could see more of their relationship before everything happens. Because we kind of don't really meet them together. We see, like, we have yeah. one scene, essentially, and before this change in Tony. And mm-hmm. I would love to know, because I like what you said about her trying to make changes in him that he wants 
And I think that's absolutely true. But we kind of meet him at the moment when he starts wanting to make those yeah. changes. And I mm-hmm. wish we could that's see true. more their interactions before that moment yeah. and know, like, was Pepper just kind of like, it's Tony, you know, yeah. like he is what he is and he does what he does. And then when she sees that in him, does she start to be like, mm-hmm. hold on, let you know, can we mm-hmm. like push this harder and make this happen more? And yeah. Yeah. For sure. Because I'm like, I think it would be hard to work for him and not be sort of attracted to him. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Strong, powerful, attractive, think, yes. bold man. Bold, <laughs> like, he's Intelligent, funny, funny yes. witty. Uh-huh. Yes. And like, you fun to spend a with, ton of like, time around mm-hmm. him. Oh, yeah. I'd fall in love yes. with him. Absolutely. So, hard. so I feel like she definitely probably are, always had those feelings. But yes. I think seeing her with the woman towards the beginning is pretty telling because it's not like she's like a damsel in distress about it she's not like so sad like we don't have any moments of her being looking sad that he doesn't pay attention to her right you know she's just like she probably it's probably hurts her and you get the feeling when she makes the jab at the reporter that part of it is coming from a place of it actually does hurt she has a lot of self-respect and sense of duty like i said and so she's like you know, even if I am attracted to him and it does kind of hurt me that he doesn't seem to pay attention to me like that, even though I'm the one who's always here and I've stayed here, yeah, she's like, it doesn't really matter because ultimately I probably wouldn't want to be with him right now anyway. Right. You know? So, which anyway, I'm not but gonna I lie, would, I've had those guys, you know, you know, where it's like, I don't have a chance with him anyway. He's kind of a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> He's hurting me all the time. And so, like, I'm just gonna be friends with yeah. him. You're like, we can <laughs> just daydream a little bit, yes. maybe, <laughs> maybe be like just from a distance yes. attracted, but not go farther than that. Definitely had that, yes. yeah. Okay, for sure. <laughs> you have reached the end of part one of our episode on Marvel's Iron Man. Part 2 will be released Thursday, August 3rd. In the meantime, be sure to like if you are watching on YouTube or give our podcast a 5-star review wherever you are listening. Also be sure to subscribe and follow us over on Instagram at GodInAllThingsPodcast. If you're curious about what Tori is reading, be sure to subscribe to her other channel on YouTube, Good Strong Words. We hope you are having a wonderful day, keep remembering to see God in all things, and we will see you next time. Bye!